The Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub, featuring the sermons of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in the Heavenly Authority series that focused on 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and the gift of tongues. And when we left off, Pastor was giving the history of languages, reviewing the account of the Tower of Babel. And so there's punishment here. Come, let us go down. He confuses their language. He makes it that they cannot communicate. And when you have no communication, you go into a dark age. And they're forced to scatter as they cannot talk to each other. And the city is left. They cease building the city. Some stay in that area. And you have the later on the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And he scatters them abroad. And you have the start of the nations. Now, is this lack of unity that he causes the heart's desire of God? Is it what he really wants for mankind? No. He made them one family, right? We all come from Adam and Eve. We all come from Noah. They were one family. It's not his heart's desire. It's not his positional will, but it is his conditional will because of sin. And he doesn't let it go on like, before the flood, he deals with it quickly, their sin. And so there's division. They're divided. And they're not as powerful. When a house is divided, it's not as powerful. It becomes weak. And we saw this, we spoke about this when we talked about unity in Israel and unity in the New Testament church versus divisions, right? The same principle was involved, how God desires unity but because of sin, he will allow division that his pure gospel is preserved. And the same principles, we start to see them working over and over again in the Bible. The family of men is now divided. And this division slows down the out-of-control progress that puffs up. And you think of today how we take such security in our technology. How many times politicians, even well-meaning politicians, who will end their speech with God bless you and God bless America, someplace in that speech they speak about the power of the human spirit, right? What we can do, what we can accomplish, that pride of our advancements in technology. Well, God takes the out-of-control progress here at Babel, and he slows it down considerably. That which puffs up is taken taken from them. And sin is shown clearly as sin and evil because you know, the unity here that they have is one that is a selfish unity. It benefits them. But you see the evil in man's heart immediately as nations form and nations and peoples and tribes and ethnic groups and you have nation against nation and people against people and one group against another ever from this point on to today. Right? All that fighting, all that sin shows the evil in the heart of men. It's not a true peace. It's a peace for a purpose, even as the Antichrist will make a peace for a purpose, a selfish purpose in the future. And in this division, it allows God to call out for himself a people different from the rest, the rest of the world. And you have Abraham and 
his descendants being called out, called out, to whom God would give his word, his law, his protection, his grace, so that even as all the other nations go after imaginations one way, another way, all the different errors of human beings, and one tribe will go take one error and multiply it, another tribe will take another error and multiply it, God can work with this one group that comes from the line of this man who believes in him named Abraham. He can separate a people different than the rest of the world. And he can give him the freedom to journey to the promised land. And you have these checks and balances, the dynamic situation with all these nations and peoples around his descendants. You have the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians, the Hittites, the Arab races, the Moabites, the Phoenicians, the Philistines, the Persians, and in their dislike of each other, and in their warring with each other, it creates a balance of power that allows Israel to carefully walk through as they stay in his power if they're not corrupted. They can survive. Because there's a dynamic. One rises up, and Egypt seems like the most powerful one, and then it goes down. And Assyria seems like the most powerful one, and then it goes down. And Babylon seems like the most powerful one, then the Medes and Persians come in. And he uses this division to keep Israel alive if they don't corrupt themselves. But in a world system where you have one, one unity, all are under control of that tower, all are unified in an evil global system, there is no place to run to. There is no Canaan, no promised land. There's no place for the scent. There's no place to hide and start anew. There's no new world to go over and get away from the government over in Europe. When it all becomes one world system, one Tower of Babel, it means persecution for the saints. And obviously you can see that's what we're headed back to, right? In the natural secular world, that's what we're going back to. And there's no place to hide. It's hard to cull out a people. It's hard to separate out a land. God uses the division, not because it's his heart's desire for man, but because of the reality of sin, he will then use it to accomplish his purpose and have a people set apart for himself. It is his wisdom to deal with gross sin. Amen. And so you have the Gentile nations. The goyim comes from the Hebrew word goy, meaning nation, people, heathen, the goyim, the plural, the goyims, and all their imaginations and all their idolatries and the demon worships and the abominations. And if you're not Jewish, if you're Jewish, you can't be prideful because your ancestors missed Messiah. If you're a goyim, you can't be prideful because go back, whatever your background is, and trace what your ancestors, you know, many, many thousands of years ago maybe in some cases believed, before the Jewish apostles brought in Christianity and some of the cultures and some of the practices, and see if you like them very much, no one can boast before God. The Gentile nations went there after abominations, one after the other. And you have Israel separated from them with the one true God. But what happens to Israel? Israel herself becomes corrupted. And if you look in Isaiah chapter 28, in Isaiah chapter 28, you have the prophecy 
woes to Ephraim, you're speaking about northern Israel, and then it goes on to woes to Jerusalem. Um, let me read from verses 1 to 3 first. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of, of Ephraim. And he's talking about these drunkards over and over again. And they're probably drunk with wine, but they're drunk with more than wine, right? They're drunk with themselves. They're drunk with their sins. They're drunk with their pride, just like the Tower of Babel. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty, all they think they are, is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valleys, to those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and strong one, like the tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing, who will bring them down to the earth with his hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trampled underfoot. So they too will face destruction. Down in verse 5. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory. Who's supposed to be the crown? Our pride? No, the Lord God should be the crown of glory. And a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. There will be a called out remnant of his people that he will show and protect and help. He will be for a spirit of justice to them who sits in judgment and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate, for those who are afraid, for those who hunger for justice. He's the justice for those who sit in judgment. He's the strength for the weak. And then he says in verse 7, but they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. Even his remnant starts to sin. Even the ones that are not like the rest, the priests and the prophet, the priests and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in visions. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filth. No place is clean. What, a, what an image. The prophets, the priests, they're swallowed up by their wine, their drink, they're drunk, and there's vomit all over the table. Nothing is clean. What a condition, even among the remnant of his people. And then you read in verse 9, whom will he teach knowledge? Whom will he make to understand the message? And there's debate on how this is translated, whether others are mocking Isaiah, whether Isaiah is given the prophecy. Uh, I like the way the Jewish Holy Scriptures, they have the translation, whom shall one teach knowledge and whom shall one make to understand the message? Who can you teach? Who can be made to understand? Are those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. In the NIV it says, For it is do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. The literal, if you want to know what the literal is in the Hebrew, it's for do to do, do to do, rule on rule, rule on rule, little here, little there. What is he talking about? For with stammering, verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue, 
he will speak to this people. Obviously, this is the verse that Paul is quoting in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and be broken and snared and caught. In the family, Jewish family Bible, it says, and so the word of the Lord is unto them precept by precept, precept by precept, line by line, line by line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward, be broken and snared and taken. Remember we read, and I read it again this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, do not be children, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In understanding be mature, don't be childish. To whom do you teach knowledge? And whom shall one make to understand message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? Don't be childish. This sounds like a very childish teaching, do to do, do to do, rule on rule, rule on rule, little here, little there. But these leaders are not children. They should grasp, should understand, and they should teach. And you have here rules of do's and don'ts, but selectively, what they want, a little here, a little there, but no spirit behind it. Visit us on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. The Sunday message is live streamed at 10.30 a.m. You will find a link at shiarjeshub.org.